Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. In this vintage review, we'll be discussing Season 33, Episode 5 of SNL with host Tina Fey and musical guest Carrie Underwood. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by a special guest, sketch comedy writer Jason Wildhagen. You can connect with Jason on Instagram at Karate, and you can connect with us at snlpodcast.com. As a treat for our new listeners, enjoy this full-length patron-only version of this week's discussion. And if you like what you hear, you can get our upcoming full-length ad-free coverage of Season 46, as well as our complete back catalog exclusively on Patreon. All right, enjoy. All right, so Jason, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you very much. This is very exciting. I'm happy to be here, Catherine. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this episode with you and dive into some vintage SNL. It should be really good. But before we do that, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and kind of how you got into sketch comedy? Sure, sure. So I started writing a sketch when I moved to New York a few years ago. I started taking classes at uh, UCB and got involved in the community. Uh, That, of course, is how I know you. Uh, I got to co-write, co-produce, co-direct a sketch show with you and our mutual friend, uh, Brian Alexander. Uh, And now I am a writer for a sketch team in the Boogie Manja uh, sketch community. Our team is Give the Baby a Knife. And we used to do, I'm very excited about the name. It's one of of my favorite things about this new season. Uh, But yeah, we used to perform at the People's Improv Theater. But since uh, that isn't happening right now, we are getting ready to start our new season on uh, online. So we're going to be putting shows up on Twitch. Our first show of the season is September 18th at uh, 9 p.m. And uh, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to it. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, Is it the same team as you had last year? Do you have some new people? We do have a few new writers. Uh, It's it's exciting. I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, kind of getting used to uh, my new co-writers and seeing all the cool stuff that they put together. Uh, out of the 11 people from our team last year, eight of us are returning. So most of us are back. Uh, and we have a new director, um, Lanny Harms, who is, you know, on, uh, mod team. Uh, she's our new director. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really exciting. And, uh, you know, writing sketch comedy is something that I have desperately missed these <laughs> last several months. And yeah. it's just great to get back at it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that sounds like it's going to be good. I can vouch that Jason has a pretty unique voice and writes some fun sketches. And, uh, I'm familiar with the director as well and it should be all good work. So can't wait for the 18th to check that out. All right. Well, let's get into the show. You ready? All right. Let's do it. Awesome. For our cold open, the media bias favoring Obama over Clinton is not very discreet at all. So, Jason, how'd you feel about the cold open on this one? You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, the political cold opens in mm-hmm. general. So, you know, it's... Uh, I, I thought that this was, it was very good though. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love Amy Poehler's, uh, Hillary Clinton. 
Uh, I'm a little bit, you know, more lukewarm on Fred Armisen's Obama. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was also nice to start this episode and instantly be reminded of how much I liked this cast, though. Mm-hmm. You know, when Kristen Wiig popped up on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, I love Kristen Wiig. And I love right. Jason Sudeikis. And I love Will Forte. Uh, so that was cool. Um, and I do think that the sketch did, uh, capture something that was going on in 2008. It did seem like the media was in general a little bit, you know, swooning over, uh, over Obama. And, you know, in the real life debates, you could see that, uh, mm-hmm. from Hillary Clinton. And it definitely came through in the sketch. Uh, in general, I thought it was, it was also a little bit long. Very long. I think this was like nine minutes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it could have been five minutes and it would have been fine. Um, but yeah, what did you think? I, you know, I liked it. It was fun enough. Um, there was a point at six minutes in where it felt like it could have ended. Like there was a clear point and then it kept going for three more minutes. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's great that we had a cold open that is, it was just cast members. We didn't have any, uh, gratuitous cameos, uh, which is sort of a fun thing that we don't do so much anymore on SNL. Um, but sort of overall, what I was interesting to me was looking at it from the lens of what we know now in 2020. Oh yeah. So we had this moment and I was, I didn't follow politics as much back then, but you know, we had the media really favoring Obama, right? And now we know that they sort of did the opposite in the next one. They sort of did to Bernie what they were doing to Hillary then. Uh, so that was that was a really interesting lens for me to watch it through of saying like, oh, so th- she wasn't the darling then, but then she was and then she wasn't. <laughs> and it was sort of a roller coaster. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to watch how those things play out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so overall... It's a, it's an all right open, but we don't love it. Right. That, yeah, I, I would say that that's, uh, that, that summarizes my feelings pretty well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going then. All right. Let's do it. We have Tina Fey gives us the first monologue after the 0708 writer's strike with a cameo from Steve Martin. How'd you feel about the monologue? I loved the monologue. I love Tina Fey. Uh, and I love Steve Martin. Um, I thought it was really fun. I thought that her joke, um, yeah, where she is explaining what the writers got out of the strike <laughs> and, you know, the legalistic explanation for, uh-huh. you know, the, the contract negotiations that just went on. I thought that was really funny. Um, and you know, when Steve Martin shows up and tries to give her a uh, pep talk about, you know, hosting and being a, a good performer and he does the, you know, say, I can do it thing. <laughs> yeah. It makes her say it as a, an old timey, you know, like she's in an old timey movie or cartoon mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved all of that. Yeah. That's a fun little game they did there. Uh, I liked it too. I thought it was a, it was a pretty solid monologue. You know, Tina Fey pretty much always delivers in my mind, in my heart. <laughs> she, she can uh, almost do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she is, um, you know, like she says in the monologue, you know, she's primarily a writer, 
but uh, she's just got perfect comedic timing and she's such a, such a great performer. Uh, so yeah, it was really fun to, to see her give the monologue. Definitely. I enjoyed it as well. Let's go into our first pre-tape. We have a commercial parody promoting annual. Only have your period once a year, but it'll be a doozy. What'd you think of this one? It was a really great setup because mm-hmm. it sets up like a regular, you know, birth control, you know, medication uh, uh, commercial with the women, you know, facing the camera. They're all very, you know, calm and pristine and in some sort of in the middle of some sort of activity. Uh, and the way that it turns is just so great. So great. Yeah. I thought I thought that the joke of it was going to be just like insane birth control that only has your period once a year. And that was going to be it. And then it took that, that turn of, and you'll go absolutely crazy. And I was just cracking up. Yeah. 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 You'll have your period once a year. And when you do hold on to your fucking hat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seeing Tina Fey like rampage through an office with an (laughs) ax. Yeah. I think Kristen Wiig was making out with a dog at one mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Just perfect grade A. Like Tina Fey uh, was so good at commercial parodies. Uh, like her, when she was on the show, they just really nailed them, especially with like specifically targeted towards women parodies. Um, and also one thing that stood out was it was so short. They didn't keep it going too long, which uh, I feel like a lot of times recently we have really long commercial parodies. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I didn't time it, but it couldn't have been longer than a couple of minutes, right? No. It was it was real short. It was in and out. It made the joke and it that was it and I really respected that about it. Yeah, yeah, it had uh, it had punch. Yeah. Definitely a win on that one. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving right along. On Rock of Love, Brett Michaels must eliminate one contestant. Will it be one-legged Amber? Did you enjoy this one? I did. Uh, I got to admit, I was not a big uh, Rock of Love viewer uh, in 2008. That one Shut kind up. of, I know, kind of uh, kind of got past me somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty, pretty easy to pick up the game uh, uh, in this one. Uh, I really liked Tina Fey as the woman who's... Um, you know, pretty fucked up and can't remember where she is, Mm -hmm. uh, is always kind of having to remember (laughs) that she's in Brett Michael's house. Right. Um, and yeah, Amy Poehler has Amber, the, you know, one legged, uh, woman who, uh, who farts a lot. Uh, (laughs) Eats chicken McNuggets. I, that was one of my favorite parts of this sketch when she throws the chicken McNuggets at uh, Jason (laughs) Sudeikis. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was uh that was fantastic. Yeah, I was a little lukewarm on this one. Like I enjoyed it. It was funny. Mhm. But also so you have the game of parodying the show, right? Mhm. And then you have you have these characters that seem pretty normal and then like a third of the way in they just throw in one like an amber and you're like, "Wait, it is that specifically the funny thing now? That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so it was a strange character that I had fun with, especially with the McNuggets, but like it wasn't also wasn't an exceptionally strong character. 
So they just had a, a lot going on in that one, and it, it sort of lost me on the roller coaster. But overall, I would say, you know, on the on the more positive end of middle of the road. Uh, but inter- some interesting choices they took in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll admit that not everything in that sketch worked. Right. Uh, you know, Kristen Wiig's character, who was constantly, like, you know, asking for FaceTime with Brett. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after she said FaceTime about half a dozen times, you're like, <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Uh, right. And I wasn't really sure if... Casey Wilson's character really had uh like had any sort of character game going on in that. Yeah, wasn't a whole lot wasn't a whole lot of reason for her to be there. Yeah. Could have cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was sort of like just another uh body up on stage. It was interesting too. I didn't watch Rock of Love, but there were enough similar beats to the bachelor that i oh yeah was instantly right on board with oh yes this is what's happening there's the girl that thinks she hasn't seen him enough and there's like there's such token characters in all those shows which is just so funny yeah it's it's really amazing how all those shows kind of follow the same template right you know (laughs) yeah awesome well up next we have a digital short uh a message for old people Uh, this man's wife inserted his grandsons into hit movies how'd you feel about it uh, I really liked it. This was really fun. Um, you know, even just the way that it starts with the following message is for old people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's a great intro. Um, I'm surprised that more commercials don't actually start that way. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, the idea of Bill Hader and Andy Samberg as these grandkids who are inserted into, you know, these serious <laughs> movies uh-huh. say like, hi, grandpa. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it was really, really funny. Yeah. It's, um, I was on board with it as soon as they were like, are you, do you sometimes get scared watching new movies where yeah. you don't recognize anybody? And I could immediately recognize like old people I know doing that. And then I wasn't sure what angle it was going to have. Mm-hmm. And then it took me to a place that I didn't expect. And I really liked that. I wish as it heightened, they would have thrown in more old person jokes unless mm-hmm. just let's put these guys in the movie jokes. I think that could have made it like heightened and be a little stronger, mm-hmm. but what a clever idea. I mean, just a very such a specific problem to solve. Uh, I I really liked this one. Yeah, and the uh, the selection of movies that they used: mm-hmm. uh, No Country for Old Men, Michael Clayton, Juno, Transformers, which the <laughs> old guy in the sketch called Transforming Robot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and there will be blood. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, those were they were great. Yeah, this episode we'll see again later some more uh Juno and No Country for Old Men references. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> they go really all in on that. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, let's keep it going. So our next sketch is a game show called What's That Bitch Talking About? <laughs> Did you enjoy the game show? Yeah, this is another example of uh you know, a a sketch that i wish was a real show uh i would definitely watch uh what's that bitch talking about uh, 
I was having fun kind of playing along. I was like, oh, what's it going to be this time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I knew that I wasn't going to get the answer right, but I still was confident that I might get close. <laughs> yeah. So, so like the premise of the, the sketch is it, that, uh, a woman comes out and is talking on the phone. You only get her side of the conversation and it could be anything like really random. Uh, mm-hmm. I really liked, you know, what Kristen Wiggs, uh, when Kristen Wig comes out and she just does, okay, okay. And that's all you get. Mm-hmm. And then you watch, uh, uh, you know, Bill Hader kind of scramble with it. And mm-hmm. Tina Fey gives this long, rambling, you know, precise explanation of what the woman means. Yeah. Just so great. Uh, Tina Fey is really good at like these just totally nonsensical game shows. Mm-hmm. And like, I would say the closest thing we've had to that recently would be the kind of what's wrong with that picture. Mm-hmm. Although that's more, that one's more about the contestants just being idiots. Yeah. But just like this totally off the wall there's no way to win this show game shows. I love that. And it reminds me of sort of uh meet your second wife. Uh, you know, those things where you're not really worried about the rules of the show, but it's just an enjoyable ride. Yeah. 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 Uh, SNL does game show parodies. So, so well. Yeah. Very fun. I enjoyed this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's get into our musical performances. Mm hmm. Carrie Underwood performs All-American Girl and Flat on the Floor. So, Jason, are you a Carrie Underwood fan, country music fan? How would you feel about this? Look, I have to confess, <laughs> I did not watch Carrie Underwood. Uh, I, I skipped the musical performances. <laughs> it was nothing against Carrie Underwood, who is uh, a, a talented person. She's probably a lovely human being. Uh, it's just a little bit outside of, uh, outside my strike zone a little yeah. bit. Uh, That's yeah, fair. yeah. Uh, t- tell me, did you watch them, right? I did. How was she? Uh, not good. Really? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess that's not fair. So if she... I like, if I liked country music, do you think that I would have liked it? Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, but even so, so I, I'll say I, I'm not a country music fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought. The first ju- the first song was just remarkably badly written, um, I, and I did not like it. But if I liked country music, I would probably like the song. But even so, she didn't give a whole lot of performance to it. Mm. Um, I mean, she sang it, she sings really well, she's got a great voice, obviously. Uh, but there wasn't a whole lot going on, and maybe I'm just a little spoiled with my 2020 view of what crazy shit can we throw in the musical performance oh yeah Um, but i was just a little like this is all you're gonna do like she she had um a mic stand and a mic and she stayed right there she wasn't playing guitar there was no reason she couldn't move around Mm -hmm. i was just like all right well that's a choice i guess um so yeah overall was not impressed with carrie underwood's performance but Mm -hmm. perhaps if for someone who in general enjoys that kind of music more there was probably something there to like. Yeah. Uh, but not for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I skipped past it. Um, so apologies to Carrie Underwood. Well, on that note, let's talk about Weekend Update. Let's do it. 
For their lead-in, Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers discussed some 2008 news items that I had absolutely no recollection of. So how did you feel about uh, Weekend Update? I liked it. You know, in general, I always liked uh, Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers. Mm-hmm. Um, really good uh, jokes. Um, I'm trying to remember specific jokes from uh, uh, from this segment, uh, and I'm having a hard time doing that. Uh, <laughs> there was okay. Uh, there was a joke about a kitten who was lost in the New York subway yes, yes. Uh, uh, system uh, for 25 days before being found, and uh, that the kitten had survived by hooking up with a hip hop uh, dance crew. Yeah. Uh, I really liked that joke. I had a really good visual of a uh, little kitty breakdancing. Mm-hmm. Little hip hop kitty. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I I laughed at that one. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a review! I can remember one joke and I laughed. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to revise <laughs> my initial assessment. I'm still going to say that I love Amy Poehler and Seth yes. Meyers together, but most of the desk jokes were kind of forgettable. Yeah, I would agree with that. I like as I watched it, I was laughing, but thinking back on it, I I can't remember a ton about it. But I do, God, I love them as a duo, and I really, really love Seth Meyers. His delivery to me is just perfect. So I, you know, I was I was enjoying it, kind of going down memory lane on our different hosts, yeah, uh, or anchors. Um, but yeah, the desk bits forgettable is the right word. Uh, but then. We brought in a cameo with Mike Huckabee. Yeah. He actually came on, ready to discuss if he's going to drop out of the race yet. And he's not ready to drop out of the race yet. What'd you think of the Mike Huckabee cameo? Uh, well, first of all, you know, I had totally forgotten uh, that Mike Huckabee had lasted so long in the <laughs> 2008 Republican I, primary. I forgot he existed. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm jealous of you for that. Uh, <laughs> I I was like, oh, Mike Huckabee's here. How about that? Uh, but, you know, the bit about him explaining, you know, why he stayed in the race for so long and how he doesn't, you know, plan on overstaying his welcome, though, and that when he know he he'll drop out when he knows that it's right. And then him just not getting off the stage. <laughs> I actually thought that was a good bit. Yeah, it's a good idea for something to do when you get a political figure on who's not going to be able to deliver lines very well. They're not going to act much. Mm-hmm. So it w- it's a good idea to sort of give them this little piece where the whole joke is that they're just sitting there. Yeah. He didn't have to do anything. You know, he just had to wait it out. Yeah. And I, I do give credit to the politicians who come on, who, you know, are in on the joke that's making fun of themselves, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like that almost always, even though it is, you know, such a transparent setup. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, even for, for politicians who I like, politicians i don't like you know it's it's usually a good bit yeah and an interesting thing too was seth was kind of hard on him uh just no didn't really hold any punches really uh 
to the point where I was like, I'm surprised the campaign went with this. Uh, so I, I, I respected that a lot. And I enjoyed that they, they weren't afraid to do that. Right, right. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a, a pretty good bit. Yeah. So our next feature, we had our host Tina Fey come out to discuss women's news. Oh, man. It was, uh, it was so great to see Tina Fey behind the, uh, the update desk yep. again, uh, even if it was, you know, in a, a, a desk, you know, bit. Uh, I think Tina Fey is my favorite weekend update, uh, yep. uh, anchor. Um, so for her to be, you know, delivering jokes behind the desk was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a real treat. Yeah. And like, I didn't think any of the jokes were particularly strong, but I can, I enjoyed them and I can imagine the excitement on the night it was happening live (laughs) for people who were missing Tina Fey behind the desk to have a rollout. It's like, it's like now when Seth Meyers came back, uh, a couple seasons ago and he came out and did a desk piece. It's just the excitement that's there. No matter what they say, it's probably going to be fine. It might be great. Um, but we're just excited to see them there. And I imagine that was a similar feeling in the night that, uh, that she had when she rolled out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the jokes, uh, yeah, they were kind of like classic Tina Fey type mm-hmm. jokes, you know. Yeah. She uh, uh she had a joke about Lindsay Lohan posing as Marilyn Monroe and praised yeah. her for finding new ways to look old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they were good, but yeah, like they were also kind of like little throwaway jokes, but the mm-hmm. whole piece built up to her, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, yeah. uh chunk. Uh, yes. and people, you know, calling Hillary a bitch and, mm-hmm. you know, leading into her, you know, bitches get shit done. Yeah. You know. The classic uh, moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Tina Fey was, is perfect at delivering that kind of, you know, thing. It, it, it could have been Liz Lemon. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the same words. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought that that was a good note to end update on. Definitely, yeah. I thought it, w- it was a strong ending. Excited to see Tina. Overall, weekend update was a win for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, let's get into the back half of the show. Now that the strike is over, all 326 versions of The Apprentice are back. Let's watch a preview of them. What'd you think of it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun one with our 2020 lens now, right? <laughs> Yeah, this was a uh, roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I was like, oh, cool, great. Uh, there's a <laughs> Donald Trump sketch. There's no escaping. I'll say this. Uh, I think Daryl Hammond does a really good uh, Donald Trump. Um, you know, he's got like the, uh, the, the rhythm of his speech down perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the impressions in this sketch were really good and some I found off-putting. I thought that uh Casey Wilson's uh Jennifer Tilly was really funny. She also did Rachel Ray. Uh I love Keenan's Charles Barkley. Always. Yeah. So <laughs> those were really really uh funny. I loved watching mm-hmm. them. Um but, you know, there was that segment where uh, the three characters were uh, 
Mary Jo Buttafuoco, Gene mm-hmm. Simmons, and John Mark Carl, who was, <laughs> I think, a tangential figure in the Jean Benet Ramsey you mm-hmm. know, mystery. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, I think I could have gone without all of these people. <laughs> yeah, we could focus on maybe one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, with Trump presiding over the whole thing, I was like, I, I kind of feel like I need to take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this, I thought it was going to be lean more into the apprentice parody, mm-hmm. but then it turned out basically to be an impression reel. Yeah. Stuff, that's right? basically what it was. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think it was an exceptionally good impression reel sketch. I usually enjoy those. Uh, but this one, I don't know, it just wasn't working for me. Maybe it's just because of Trump fatigue of 2020. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know. maybe it's, it's just, because you didn't remember who John Mark Carl was. Maybe, maybe that was too, too specific to 2008 for me to enjoy. <laughs> that is definitely possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, although, uh, the sketch had, you know, its moments overall, like, yeah, I wasn't, a big fan of it. I don't think that yeah. I'm going to go back and watch this sketch at any time. Yeah. No, please don't make me watch it again. No. <laughs> and on that note, up next, the best man gives a wildly inappropriate and off-topic toast at the wedding reception. How'd you feel about this one? Uh, I, I was kind of in and out of this on this sketch, you know, as it went on. I mean, it's a yeah. pretty, uh, basic premise you know best man gives inappropriate uh toast and it's Mm -hmm. uh you know just a machine gun of jokes and some of them i thought were funny and some of them i thought were not funny and i felt like it went on a little bit too long Mm -hmm. uh and it's really you know besides the you know setup at the beginning with the bachelorette um, or the uh, maid of honor giving, you know, her toast. It's just Sudeikis really. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, and there's no sort of, you know, there's n- nothing interrupting that, you know, the flow of, of his toast. A couple, I did write down a couple of uh, jokes that I liked uh, one of them was, uh, he's talking about him and the groom. We once got so high, we got into a fist fight with a bowl of M&Ms. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that was a good one. Yeah, that was, it was a good one. You know, and others though, just kind of felt like, oh, I could hear a, no- like, just some generic frat dude asshole, you know, mm-hmm. say, say this line and it's not a particularly strong joke, you know? Right. I, I felt, yeah, I, I felt that way about at least half of the jokes in, in this yeah. sketch. What'd you think? Well, so like one of the interesting things that I was told when I was learning about character sketches is more or less if, Weddings and funerals are really easy places to put a character. And if you take them out of that situation and it's no longer interesting, then it's not a very strong character, probably. And I felt that way about this one. If you put him in any other situation, I mean, he's just kind of generic, inappropriate asshole, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it didn't, overall, it didn't work for me that well. 
Yeah. Like like you said, there were some good jokes in there, but just not a very strong sketch. Nothing nothing too special going on here. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, up next we have a pre-tape. Do you hate airports and terrorism? Go to Virginia Horson's Hot Air Balloon Rides. Did you like this uh this iteration of Virginia Horson? I loved it. Uh it was fantastic. I loved how cheap it looked. I loved Kristen Wiggs' delivery. Um I loved that she was, you know, kind of uh, uh proposing it as a substitute to like <laughs> going on an airplane. Right. She at one point says, "Do you hate uh, what she say? Do you hate terrorists and standing in lines?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this one was great. Yeah, it's um, you know what it reminded me of. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Welcome to Me? Mm-mm. Oh, you should check it out. It's a Kristen Wiig movie, and okay. her character's delivery throughout the entire uh, hour and a half long movie is uh, uh, like Virginia Horson. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was uh, this was a really really funny pre tape to me. Yeah, I really loved this. I was just delighted to see it. I love Kristen Wiig, and I love it when she can just go be her delightfully awkward self, which is the basically the whole idea behind this, right? Yeah, and that's like that's one of my favorite versions of Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, I love it when she gets to to play like that. Yeah, and it's another one in the night where it stood out to me that it was short. They didn't. They didn't try to take it on too long. They they knew where to end it, and the joke was over. Um, and then with like the cheap green screens, it it reminded me. I sort of uh, an SNL at home from season forty five. <laughs> um, so like, uh, if they have to do it home again uh, this season, let's get a Virginia Hansen. Yeah, bring her back. <laughs> bring her back. Per- perfect time. <laughs> All right. Well, a win on that one for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, our next sketch is Food Network's I Drink Your Milkshake. Mm. Did this one win for you? This was a big win for me. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I loved Bill Hader's um, uh, Daniel Plainview. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually also thought that uh, Amy Poehler has... um, H.W. Plainview, the son. Yeah, you know, she doesn't have a line in the entire no. thing, but you know, just her, you know, the look on her face, and mm-hmm. you know, her, you know, body language was just perfect and awkward and weird. Yeah, um, yeah it was. Uh, I I really liked it. I also like there will be blood i'm kind of a sucker for that movie mm-hmm. um so to have you know a character from such a serious dark intense movie you know use a phrase from that movie in such a silly way uh mm-hmm. was super fun for me yeah i think amy poehler was probably my favorite part of it because i just love just the idea of a of using someone like Amy Poehler to stand there and be silent the whole time. <laughs> I I think that's really funny. Um, but besides that, it wasn't really working for me. I think it, I think it must've gone over my head. I just, have just you like, seen there? What are we doing blood? here? I have not. Okay. I think that that's, that's part of it. That's a big, big, yeah. 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 Uh, so he, you know, 
I drink your milkshake. That whole thing is part of, you know, uh, a big scene in that movie. Uh, okay. And to transport that and put it in the setting of, you know, like him, a diner where he's literally drinking something. <laughs> I thought that was great. So I do think that, yeah, yeah, that might be one of those sketches where you have to see the movie that it's referring to, to kind I of would say so. appreciate it. Like this one, having not seen the movie and not knowing what I was missing, there were still some moments that I liked. So like when he was like doing the coin flip and he was like, well, are we flipping for my milkshake? Then no, like that was funny for me. And that was kind of fun. But overall, I think, yeah, you definitely have to see the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Had you seen no country for old men? Nope. Okay. So you didn't get the, the reference to, to Fred Armisen's character. <laughs> I, I knew who that one was. Okay. Okay. You were I, like, I oh, recognized that's... him when he came in. I was like, Oh yeah. He's the one from that movie. Um, and we already talked about that movie twice tonight. That's <laughs> right. That's right. He, yeah, that's one of the movies for, uh, yeah, like the, for old people. Yeah. And then I think there was also a joke about that movie in Weekend Update. And I was like, wow, 2008 was the year of that movie. Yeah, man. Yeah. Big, uh, big SNL episode for the Coen brothers. Uh, yeah. I guess too, this episode was in February. So it was, pro- it was Oscar season. So yeah. I'm sure it was big in the kind of the cultural zeitgeist in the, that time. Enough that I, without seeing the movie, I did know who Fred Armisen was. <laughs> awesome. Well, so some specific kind of 2008 stuff there. Yeah. Um, our 10 to 1 is a pre-tape. Some cutthroat and not at all stereotypical women star in Lady Business. What did you think? Uh, it was funny. It was also, uh, I like that it was short. Uh, it had, you know, just some uh, really good bits in it. I liked that. Uh, <laughs> I liked the part where uh, uh, Kristen Wiig's character, um, I think Andy Sam- Samberg says to her, uh, you know, says something about her name, uh, Miss DeGeorge. And she's like, DeGorg. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a funny bit. Uh, I like that Tina Fey played a woman who, uh, vacuums up dead animals from underneath <laughs> people's houses. Yeah, yeah. Very, um, yeah. Aggressive career woman type, uh, uh, stereotypes, right? Except, uh, yeah, yeah just some weirdness thrown in. Definitely. I liked what they were trying to do say with it, which is was kind of, I think, parody, um, kind of these like faux feminists in on these like crappy yeah. TV shows. Um, I don't know, but it didn't. I don't know that they ever fully got there. No, it seemed. Uh, I mean, it seemed like a two pager, right? Like, yeah, right. just a. a, a a framing of some, you know, random jokes. Uh, although, mm-hmm. you know, there is sort of an affect of, you know, those types of female characters in those specific mm-hmm. types of shows that I think mm-hmm. that, you know, you recognize right away. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was good. It was, it was fine. It wasn't, you know, anything uh, particularly uh, special, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
pretty middle of the road. Yeah, and don't have any strong. Right. Code. Again, you know, if had it been, uh, had it been a minute or two longer, I probably wouldn't have liked it. Yeah, you know, as much probably yeah. would have been like, oh, this has gone on. You know, this has gone on long enough. Definitely. Yeah, it was short, which again. A theme of the night is that I appreciate it when they're th- when they're yeah short. <laughs> yeah the short sketches uh, they usually work yeah they're they're yeah. Uh, short and punchy yeah yeah all right well now for our overall thoughts so you can take a minute to think about it but what would you say was the moment of the night oh the moment of the night um. I think that it was when, uh, in the annual, uh, commercial where you realize Mm -hmm. that, uh, oh, the trade off for these women to only get their period once a year is that they go absolutely fucking insane. Uh, (laughs) that for me was the best moment, uh, uh, watching Tina Fey rampage through an office with an ax. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was my favorite bit, you know, and I'll second that. I'll agree with you. That was the monologue was enjoyable. Uh, but that turn was my first big laugh, um, and sort of sent the message of like, oh, yes, this is going to be some classic Tina Fey stuff. She's not just hosting. She came in with some ideas. Um, So, yeah, that was a great moment. Uh, Big laugh. All right. So the next category is the best sketch. Mm. Uh, You know, it's hard for me to, you know, separate those two. Uh, I kind of think Mm -hmm. that Annuel was uh, was the best sketch. Um. If I were to pick a runner up, uh, boy, I don't know. Let me think here. I really liked grandkids in movies too. Yeah. 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 All, right. All right. Fair enough. I will give best sketch to the hot air balloons. Uh, yeah. It, it's that fantastic. One, yeah. That one was probably the one that will be the most memorable for me and the one that Still today, I w- I'm like ready to send my friends and say, <laughs> look at this. This is so funny. I love this sketch. Yeah, so, definitely. Had some staying power. I agree. Yeah. All right. Who would you say was the MVP of this? Episode? I mean, the MVP is Tina Fey. It, it's <laughs> definitely Tina Fey. She's good in, you know, uh, everything that she's in. And... You know, you could feel, you could see her fingerprints on, you know, mm-hmm. all of these sketches. Um, yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I thought that she was, uh, she was fantastic. Yeah, I think that that's definitely making a case with how you said she definitely had her fingerprints on it. It's a very Tina Fey episode. But I think the MVP might actually be Kristen. Uh, that was going to be my number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was she was in almost everything. And everything she was in, she really gave a great performance to. Plus, I just love Kristen Wiig. And, you know, I loved the hot air balloon thing. And she, that that's her her little baby. Uh, even so yeah, in, I'm gonna go even in What's That Bitch Talking About, where all yeah. she says is okay, like twice. <laughs> Just right. in the 10 seconds that she's on screen, 
you're, it's, you're like, oh, yeah, Kristen Wiig's just funny. Right. Exactly. All right. So this is the All big right. one. And if you need me to repeat the scale, I'll repeat Please the Please do. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? Hmm. Uh, I would say that it's... I thought it was a great episode. I'm going to go great. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a classic, um, but this is a you know, really, really solid episode. It's one where, you know, if I were bored on, you know, a Sunday afternoon, I was just looking for something to, to put on. I, it's a SNL episode that I could imagine myself rewatching. I, I could see yeah. myself wanting to see, yeah, Virginia, uh, Horson again, <laughs> you know, and the Andy Wells sketch and I, you know, getting to see Tina Fey and Steve Martin play around in the monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if, if I feel like I could rewatch, uh, an SNL episode, um, yeah, it's, it has to be pretty great. And I thought that this right. met that standard. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree for thing for it to be great for me. It has to have, you know, several really strong sketches, a good monologue and a solid weekend update. And this definitely had all of those pieces. It's got, you know, probably three or four sketches that I really liked. Uh, I was laughing at update. I love to see Seth. And like you said, the monologue, we got Steve Martin. How can it go wrong? Uh, so that to me makes it great. And like, I think it's rewatchable. I think it's overall a pretty strong episode, but not quite right. classic, but definitely solidly. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just always fun to watch Tina Fey, uh, host. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or do any. Right. Yeah, definitely. Here's, here's my, um, mandatory. I met Tina Fey on what? the train moment. <laughs> it's my favorite story in the world. Uh, she was on the train and I talked to her and I thanked her for inspiring me to be a writer. She was super wow. nice. Wow. When was this? This was, um, probably 2018, okay. November-ish. Yeah. She, she was going to Rockefeller Center to rehearse. She was in the monologue for jo- the Jonah Hill episode. Oh, cool. Cool. I, um, I do not have a story about, uh, meeting an SNL cast member, but I do have a story about meeting, uh, Amy Poehler's dad. <laughs> All right. Regale yeah, us Amy that. Poehler's dad, uh, showed me some like really crappy apartments in, uh, Somerville, Massachusetts, uh, years ago. Oh. He's, um, so I think that he, he's probably retired now, but he was a school teacher. And during the summers, uh, he worked for, I think, worked for a, you know, a property management company that owned a bunch of, uh, apartments in Somerville and Cambridge and, you know, other parts of the Boston area. Mm-hmm. And so my friends and I were, uh, looking for an apartment one summer. And we're waiting for the guy, you know, who's supposed to show us this place. And uh, Bill Poehler just, like, kind of jumps out <laughs> from behind a bunch of garbage cans. <laughs> and he's like, hey, guys, I'm, uh, I'm Bill, Bill Poehler. 
And they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? And he says, uh, do you guys like Saturday Night Live? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He's like, my daughter's on that. Like, oh, cool. Oh, how wholesome. And, uh, yeah, he talked to us about uh, Amy Poehler and uh, Will Arnett a little bit and then uh, showed us a bunch of, like, pretty terrible apartments. But he was a real sweetheart. He was a really nice guy. And uh, the same company that he worked for owned the apartment that I was moving out of. So he would bring uh, uh, other people into my apartment to show you know to show them my place and so each time they'd come in and be like oh hey bill how's it going <laughs> and he'd be like oh guys just uh just passing through we'll be out in two minutes and you know you'd hear him take these people into the kitchen and like five seconds later you'd hear him go like so do you guys like saturday night live <laughs> <laughs> like oh it's bill polar being bill polar a really nice I guy, but that. if I ever do meet Amy Poehler, uh, I'm not going to ask her about Saturday Night Live. I'm not going to ask her about Parks and Rec. I just want to talk to her about her dad. Yeah, your BFF. Bill yeah, Poehler. yeah, yeah. So, say hi to your father <laughs> for me. All right. Well, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I think we had a fun little this conversation. Was a good I'm really glad chat, Catherine. I really, yeah, yeah, I really liked uh, talking about uh, uh, this episode. Uh, it was fun. It was super great. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap. A special thanks to Jason Wildhagen. And make sure to check out his sketch team, Give the Baby a Knife's digital show at 9 p.m. on September 18th on Twitch. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to cover some fun SNL-related topics as voted on by our listeners. If you'd like to suggest a topic, contact us at snlpodcast.com or find us on social media at SNL Podcast. But until then, this has been episode number 114 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.